Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the Real Lives Untold podcast with myself, Trina O'Connor. And myself, Sarah O'Connor. We are focusing on all things crime and human interest. We're creating a space for people to tell their stories, the raw, unedited version. In this episode, we hear from 23-year-old Jodie Duggan, who survived horrific emotional and physical abuse at the hands of her then-boyfriend during their two-year relationship. She was just 17 when they started going out, and over the course of the relationship, he brutally assaulted her and tried to control every aspect of her life. He continued to threaten her after she broke up with him. In January this year, 24-year-old security worker Jake Bowles from Rathbourne Avenue in Dublin 15 was handed a suspended sentence after he pleaded guilty to coercive control and assault. Jodie, who is now a Women's Aid Ambassador, tells her story and is joined by Mary Hayes, who heads up the Two Into You campaign for Women's Aid. Sarah, how are you doing today? So, Trina, good. Good, good, good. Today is a lovely day, actually, and we're indoors. Yes. And we're recording today. Um, we're joined by two amazing guests and we'll get to them now in a second. I suppose... The topic that we're talking about today is a really challenging one for most people and um, it's a very difficult listen, but we do hope that through this podcast, some people will be able to um, find support and maybe be able to identify and relate to some of the stuff that they're going to hear today. So um, we're joined by Mary and we're joined by Jodie and um, we'll come to them now in a second. But in terms of um, our interest in this kind of work, Sarah, um, I suppose through the work that we've done, we've seen the impact of domestic violence on people. And we've seen the aftermath, which very often gets lost in the media kind of cycle. And that's kind of what we want to talk today about, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, domestic violence, it makes for very hard listening. It's a really harrowing topic but it's a topic that we have to keep talking about because it's such a scourge we saw during the pandemic the calls uh, by women who are trapped in their homes up by over 40 percent to women's aid and the other women's charities um support support groups so it's really important that we talk about this to diminish any stigma surrounding it because there's still a stigma there's still a judgment whether it's unconscious or not even last week somebody was chatting to me actually about a case, a murder case. And, you know, I was giving her the details about it. And she asked me, why didn't the woman leave? And sometimes I get a little bit impatient or frustrated with that. But the point is that she wasn't coming at it really from a place of conscious judgment. It was really a lack of understanding about the complexities of domestic violence. And and we know that there are so many different stories 
and uh, so many different journeys for people. And unfortunately, the harrowing and horrendous end product is that women are killed and, and the majority of women murdered since 1996 were murdered by their partner, yeah. their current or former partner. And I covered trials, murder trials in Central Criminal Court for years, a lot of them femicide trials. And you could just write the script of what was going to happen. It was so similar. You know, the evidence of the relationship, how it started, how it progressed, uh, the isolation on the part of the victim, uh, how the abuser, you know, just constant put downs eroded her self-esteem. She had nobody to turn to. Uh, and eventually when she either chose to leave him and, and to, or informed him she was leaving him or if she had left him, you know, taken that unbelievable step to leave, that's when she was killed. And I just used to get so frustrated and it was so sad speaking to all the victims' families. And it, as I said, that's the horrendous end product of domestic yeah. violence. Yeah. But today we yeah. really want to focus in this episode on where it starts, the very starting line, so that somehow we can raise awareness yeah. and that young people... It can can realise or, you know, recognise the red flags, the amber flags, because those flags aren't that obvious a lot of the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's, that's and, and that's why we're very, very lucky to be joined today by yeah. jo, Jodie Duggan. And Jodie's very kindly agreed to give up her time and come and tell us her story. So um if you wouldn't mind, Jodie, if you could, you know, in whatever way you feel comfortable, maybe tell us your story. Yeah. Um if you want to Yeah, go that's ahead no problem. There. Um I met um I met Jake when I was 17 um, so I was really young I was fresh out of school um, we shown like an interest in each other like that he was new to where I lived and like we were going on the same nights out I thought he was good looking he thought I was good looking I was like oh wow it was the first boy that shown an interest in me we went on a night out and the first time we had met he asked me to be his girlfriend just straight off the bat I thought Oh, maybe he just has a drink on him. He's just drunk and it just laughed off. Like, oh, yeah, whatever. But but that was exciting. Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely. It was yeah. the first boy that had ever shown an interest yeah. in me and wanted me to be their girlfriend. I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm young. What's the worst that could yeah. happen? And then like that, the next morning, we're on a walk and he's like, sure, you're my girlfriend. I was like, oh, my God. But like, what do you mean? And I didn't actually think he actually meant he wanted me to be his girlfriend. So I just went along with it like that. I was like, I'm not to lose here. Might yeah. as well try it and see what happens. And it was like little things at the start, like, oh, your friends are weird. Maybe you shouldn't hang around them. No one really likes them. They're not cool. And then... And um, Joe, do you, how far into the relationship did them kind of remarks start happening? Oh, like a month or two in. Like it was oh, very soon. Very soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, very soon. Like that. My friends at the time wouldn't have gone out as much as him. And he just thought that wasn't cool. I was a lot quieter. I think he knew by me how quiet and how I hadn't found myself yet and how in on myself I was that he knew that I was ideal for him to be able to control okay um, and like that I think he took advantage of that because okay. I was very quiet I was very insecure I was so young he was two years older than me I know it's only two years but 17 to 19 yeah. I think there's a big yeah. difference in there that um, and then like that it was small things oh you shouldn't go there no one will like you there or maybe he go out and he'd be like, you shouldn't come to this party because you don't know anyone here and they won't like it. And I'd be like, okay. So it was mind games. It was like little things. And, and how the, did you feel, Jodie, when he was doing that? Did I you did, feel this was normal? No, like I, I didn't know how to feel because at the time I was like, wow, okay, obviously I'm doing something here for people not to like me. Oh. And then I was so insecure at the time. I believed him. And now I look back like, how could I be so stupid? Like these people were my friends and he just completely manipulated me into thinking that they weren't mm-hmm. and then completely pulled me away from them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then it turned into like pushing and shoving. We broke mm. up for like a, a little amount of time, about six months of even. And then when we got back together, um, I didn't particularly want to get back with him. Um, we broke up because he had cheated on me quite a lot and he blamed it on me and say that it was my fault and that the reason he cheated on me was because I'm boring. And like, I remember asking him, I texted him and I was like, like, why did you do that? Like, that hurt me so much. And he's like, because you're boring. And I was like, well, okay. So he was pushing me down and down mm-hmm. and wearing away at me and he knew what he was doing. And like that, I couldn't get away from him. He was living in the same area. We had the same friends. We'd be on the same night. So, and uh, if someone even looked at me, if a fella even looked at me, it'd be an issue. Even mm-hmm. when we weren't together. So he was always trying to control me. And when we got back together, we only got back together on the terms that he wouldn't he wouldn't do drugs and that he wouldn't drink as much as he would because I felt like he was getting more and more control and the more he would do that. And I wasn't into it. And I was like, look, the only reason I'll get back to you is if you don't do that. And he said, right, okay. And he said, well, if you don't get back to me, I'm going to go on an absolute bender and I'm going to overdose. Okay. I was like, right, okay. Well, I don't have much options here but to get back with you. So I did. And like that, it was little things at the start. It was pushing, it was shoving, it was then pinning onto the bed. He'd like pull my dress up and be, say to me, you're not allowed to wear them underwear. Oh. What are you doing? Try to wear that underwear. Who are you trying to impress? So they're not like, they're a basic pair of underwear. Like it was nothing special. And um, even dresses, he'd be like, that's too short. You're not able to wear that. And like that, it led to like him pinning me on the bed, slamming my head against the headboard. Sorry. Um, Just take your time. I, I suppose at the time, Jodie, I mean, this is a very difficult yeah. events for you to yeah. to you know relive yeah and uh you know just just don't worry you can just Thank stop you. and you can move on <laughs> to anything else but maybe maybe I might just give you a break just go to Mary for a second yeah. uh, just give you a moment Thank is that you. okay yeah yeah so Mary um would these be the kind of stories you you would be hearing um from young people like Jody very young person mm-hmm. Jody like very unkindly said to herself, was I silly to be listening to yeah. this? You were just a young person. Yeah. You know, please be kinder to yourself. It's not your fault. Are these the kind of stories that you're hearing, Mary? Yeah, absolutely. And I think something that Jodie said, you know, I'm young. You know, I was young. What's the worst that could happen? I think that's unfortunately the the thought press process of a lot of young people. Um, And, you know, in women's age, we would see a lot of young women in particular using our services, um, contacting us because of um, their relationship and they're worried that it might be unhealthy. But I think there's an assumption that, um, you know, domestic violence, domestic abuse kind of happens um, to older people, that it doesn't happen to young people. It doesn't happen in your first relationship. You know, your mind goes straight to, um, you know, the setting of the home, mm. it's in the name domestic violence, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. in that domestic setting. So there is an assumption you need to be living with your partner for them to be abusive towards you. You need to be married. You need to be you need mm. to have kids, things like that. But actually, um, abuse happens. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Abuse happens in young relationships. It's incredibly common. Um, and actually, from our research, we found that it's one in five young women. Wow. Um, aged 18 to 25 have been when, subjected to abuse. And when you talk about those young women, what are the red flags that you want to advise people about? And our amber flags, as I was saying earlier, it's it's not as easy as that. Sometimes it's not that obvious. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if it's your first relationship, you know, and you've nothing to compare it to mm. and you get caught up in the excitement of it and the romance, you know, what feels like romance. 
Um, so I suppose one of the biggest kind of red flags, you know, early on and for young relationships would be something called love bombing. Yeah. So love bombing, it's a really effective form of emotional manipulation. So it starts out um, kind of early in the relationship and, you know, they'll kind of paint themselves as this perfect partner. So they might, you know, um, give you lots of gifts, want to spend all your time together. They want to move really quickly um, in the relationship, you know, uh, call you their girlfriend um, very early on. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, wanting to spend all your time together um, and, you know, not wanting you maybe to spend time with friends. And I suppose that can feel really exciting, you know, gifts and attention and affection. But if you feel like you can't say no to those, um, you know, romantic advances, then that's really where the line has been crossed. Because what that tells you is, you know, they don't respect your boundaries and they don't respect the decisions you've made around the relationship. So, you know, for a very simple example of this would be if you are out with a friend for a coffee and, you know, your phone is blowing up, they're sending you text after text. Where are you? Who are you with? You know, when am I going to see you? Why aren't you answering me back? And if you say to them, you know, later on, well, I was with my friend, you know, when I'm with someone and I'm having a coffee or a conversation, I don't like to be looking at my phone. I want to be present with them. And if they say, you know, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize like they put their hands up and say, you know, thanks for communicating that. That's, you know, a healthy relationship where you can communicate your needs mm -hmm. um, and they accept those needs. But if they kind of, you know, their back goes up against the wall, they get defensive, say, well, why weren't you, you know, replying to me? Why don't you want to spend all your time with me? Why do you want to see that friend, their bad influence on you? You know, that would be where the red flag is, because mm -hmm. You've told them what you need and they're saying, no, you're wrong. This is what you need. And can we just go back to Jodie on mm -hmm. that in relation yeah. to the friends piece? Yeah. You experienced that, didn't you? Yeah. And definitely. did did you feel comfortable even reaching out to your friends at that point? How did you no. feel in the middle of all that? No, I, I didn't know how to tell them. I was embarrassed. Like, I, like I hid the cuts, I hid the bruises and then I was hiding as well what was happening, what he was telling me. I'd, I'd never say to my friends what was happening. I was too embarrassed. You know, I didn't know how to explain what was happening because mm -hmm. I couldn't process myself. So how could I tell someone else? Um, I felt like he always told me that if I did ever tell anyone that they wouldn't believe me. So that was it in itself. You know, I was too afraid to even approach my own best friend. I just, I didn't know what to do. I was totally lost and I was completely isolated and brainwashed mm -hmm. that I felt like I only had him. So yeah. I couldn't tell anyone. I had no one to turn to. Which was exactly where he wanted you to be. And at that oh, young age, doubt. it's amazing. He was such a master manipulator, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And how did it come about then that you finally left him? It was kind of one of the worst nights that it happened. Um, we were on a night out. He blew up and people literally had to pin him to the ground because he was calling me all sorts of names. He pinned me to a wall in front of people in a nightclub, was punching the wall beside my face. And he just lost control. And at the time, we'd already organised um, to have drinks in my house after with all my friends. So everyone ended up going back to my house. And I just said to him, look, can I just pull you upstairs for a chat? I was like, I just want to talk to you. And he's like, right, OK. And he went upstairs and I just said, look, I really just don't think this is going to work. I was like, you can stay here tonight if you need to, but I just don't think this is going to work between us. I, I can't handle this anymore. And like that, he just lost it. He was shoving me, pushing me. He kicked a mirror, it smashed. All the glass landed on me because it was beside me. I was trying to pick it up then like as quick as I could because I knew people downstairs had heard it. And um, I was trying to go up and he just kicked me down and pushed me down and keep pushing me down. 
until one of the girls came upstairs and I was like, look, can you just ask everyone to leave? I was like, it's grand, I'll get it sorted. And she insisted, look, no, 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 I'll stay. I was like, no, it's completely fine. The mirror fell. It was an accident. I'll sort it out. And he stayed. I asked him to stay in another room and I said, look, maybe you should stay in another room. He's like, no, no, I'm staying here tonight. I'm staying here. And I was like, look, I just don't feel comfortable with you tonight. Maybe you should just go home. I was like, maybe that's just the best option then instead. And like that, he lost the rag again. He's like, I'm staying here tonight. You cannot tell me when to come and go. You can't tell me when to leave. It's like, look, my mom and dad are back early in the morning. You're not allowed to actually stay here. And uh, he just was just, sorry. (laughs) He just, yeah, he was just horrible. And then. Jodie, were you frightened of him? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I was afraid to go against him because I knew there'd be But you were still strong. You were still strong. I mean, you're an extremely strong well, young woman. I remember woman. breaking down to him and I was like, I can't do this. I can't do it anymore. Emotionally and physically, I can't do it. It's draining me. And he was like, you're just drunk. You're just drunk. I was like, I'm not drunk. I've had one drink. Yeah. One drink. And it's always, you're just drunk. You're a mess. Look at you. You're a mess. And when it escalated to this point that you decided it was, you were done, you yeah. were over. It was the next morning. What, what yeah. happened then? It was the next morning like that because the glass had fallen on me. There was blood marks on the wall for me trying to get up and it was downstairs for me trying to move the mirror. And my mum and dad had come back, but I didn't have enough time to clean my room because he had absolutely uplifted my room, pulled out the drawers from the wardrobe, was slamming my head against the headboard, pulled the bed apart it, I didn't have enough time to clean it on time. I missed bits and bobs like that, the blood on the wall. My mum came in, seen it in the hall, and straight away was like, what is that? I was like, oh, it's nothing. When it fell, it hit me or whatever. Was this the first time that they were aware of what was happening in your relationship? They didn't like him from the first time they met him. Um, as soon as my dad met him, he was like, he's far too advanced for her. I don't like him. And my mum and dad are so open and they're so chill. They're real... They're real happy and welcoming people. And for them to say it, I just thought, oh, they're just being protective of me because it's my first boyfriend. Mm-hmm. I think nothing of it. Like, they're just worried. And he's a bit older as well. I thought, oh, it's grand. But I think they sensed it themselves that there was something about him. There was a bad vibe about him. There was just something not but, right. But they didn't know for sure. No, and then... Um, until that morning? Or did you still hide it? I hid it. No, I hid it. He had cheated on me and they knew that because we broke up and he wasn't allowed back in my house. So after we broke up, my mum was like, look, he's not welcome back in the house anymore. But I'd sneak him in. Yeah, do you know, would they go away and I'd sneak up, come on yeah. over and you can stay in mine yeah. tonight. Yeah. And it was the next morning when my mum seen my room, straight away, she was like, that was Jake, wasn't it? And I was like, yes, that's it, Jody. She's like, you cannot see him anymore. Enough is enough. I was like, right, okay, grand. And uh, she just thought he had just destroyed my room. And it was the next morning on the way to work, we worked together. Um, I just broke down in the car. I was like, I can't do it anymore. I was like he's been abusing me the whole time and like that I kept pictures so I was able to show her Um, then we went to my nanny's house and called the guards when we were there and um, three guards arrived to the house and that's when I reported it to them How did that feel? It was overwhelming there was three guards that came in and like that two of them were men and one was a woman so I felt more comfortable talking to a woman especially because I had some injuries down the side of my leg and I knew I was going to have to show her <coughs> and I just felt comfortable with just one person speaking to me um, like that I'd never had to speak to the guards like that before so I didn't know what to do I didn't know how to act I'd only told my mom, so obviously she's in hysterics yeah I can imagine. it was extremely overwhelming and um, the guards just sent me to the doctor just to be assessed because like that I'd been pushed downstairs and hit my head yeah. so that was the first thing we kind of did after mm-hmm. but isn't it interesting that you kept photographs so it's like yeah you knew this was wrong but oh, yeah. you just 
couldn't. Subconsciously, I you, couldn't. You just needed to find a strand yeah. from somewhere, and th- thankfully, you did. Yeah. So, so because all of that happened, everybody else, this was new information to yeah. them, so they were all quite hysterical. Yeah. But you were very calm in the middle of all that. Yeah. By the sounds of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's an amazing strand. Yeah. No, yeah. I had to, you know, because if I wasn't strong, I felt like every everyone was going to fall apart. You know, yeah. I had to be that little bit stronger because. I didn't want my mum and dad to see how upset I was. And there's certain things you don't want your mum and dad to no. hear about because I know it's going to hurt them. Um, Plus you were dealing with it for so long. I was, yeah. yeah. And that I hid the pictures from them. You're like, nearly frozen in it. Yeah. You're trapped, you yeah. know, in a stuckness. And at this stage, how long had the relationship been, Jodie? Two years. Two years. So yeah. at this stage, you were 19. Yeah. Yeah. And Can then, we just talk to Mary about yeah. that, the reporting um, that that young women are less likely to report abuse than men, for example. That not enough women are reporting. Why do you, why what are your findings in relation to this, and why do you think that is? Yeah. So with the research we did, one in three young women had never told anyone about the abuse um, that they were subjected to, and the biggest reasons were first around fear of the perpetrator, so fear of you know the repercussions of seeking support, um, because often you know when you leave the relationship, the abuse will get worse because um, they see that as a threat to every, you know, all that in in air quotes, you know, all the hard work they've put in to control and manipulate their partner goes down the drain um, if the relationship ends. So often the abuse will get so much worse after um, they break up, you know, or when they seek support. Um, Another uh, big barrier to seeking support is around the stigma, you know, the fear of not being believed because for so long, you know, when you're being abused, you're told that it's all in your head, you know, that it's not a big deal, that you're being dramatic or over the top. Um, You're basically being gaslit, you know, mm-hmm. everything that you know to be true is told, you're told it isn't true and that no one will believe you. Um, And often, you know, when you're being abused, you've become so isolated, so cut off from family and friends that you feel like you've no one else and that, you know, your relationship, you know, your partner is the only person you'll have. So if you do tell someone there's no one there in your life to support you. So that can be a huge, huge um, reason, I suppose, why people don't. So so that's kind of the control piece by isolating the person. They don't feel they have anybody. And that's why agencies like yourself um, the agency you work for, which is Women's Aid, why you are so important in this conversation. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Um, if I can just go back to Jody, thank you, Mary, just for one second, Jody. Um, afterwards, when the police got involved, and yeah. just to speak to that piece that Mary was just speaking about, afterwards, because that's the piece when it can be most dangerous for the woman, yeah. um, or indeed the if, it, if it's a young man who's experienced violence against him. Mm. Um, what happened afterwards? If you could just bring us through what happened for you yeah. when you went to the police. So I reported to the police and it was a really long and draining process. Like I was back and forth all the time for hours on end, given like, given statements. And then there was little bits of bobs that I'd forgotten about. So I'd have to go back and do it again and add on to it. And they explained to me, look, like it's a really long process here. Like you just have to be patient. But throughout that process, he didn't like he didn't stay away. No. He was still trying to contact me. He was still trying to log into my social media. He was still trying to control me, even though I would felt I thought in my head I'd gotten away. Mm. But I hadn't. Yeah. Um, if I was even seen standing beside a boy in a picture, they'd be getting a phone call. Threatening the, them. the boy so would be getting yeah. a phone call. Yeah, it wouldn't be me because wow. he knew I had a protection order. Right. Mm. So, so he didn't break it against you. Yeah. If he contacted someone else, he's not breaking it. Wow. It's just like wow. stalking. Just I know. No, it stalking. is stalking, and it's so common, isn't it, Mary? After yeah. uh, after the breakup of a relationship, that's obviously, as you said, Trina, the most dangerous time. Yeah. No, definitely. Even well, like when I got into a new relationship, it was like three years later. He was still trying to control me because someone had obviously told him, or he had seen us out. And he called him and he's like, I know exactly where you are. You're getting into a taxi where, and I was. So of course I panicked. I was like, he knows where I am. But I took out my phone and I started recording the phone call. And then I got to a stage where I was like, look, give me the phone. He was threatening him too much. And I was like, look, this is too much for you. I was like, give me the phone. I just asked him, look, can you please leave me alone? Leave me alone. And he hung up the phone. He rang him back and he said, don't get hurt to fight your battles. But he knew not to respond to me because yeah. if he did, then he'd broken yeah. the protection order. But can I? But that's so di- sorry, yeah. sorry. That's so difficult for you trying to move on with your life to oh, meet yeah. somebody new. Yeah. Like you know, it's so delicate in the beginning of a relationship for you to have to say to somebody, you know, I have this ex yeah. and, and there's this problem because I don't know, but I know my own situations yeah. and my own experience. You start to think, do they think I'm the? Is, yeah. is it me? You know that song. Definitely. Is it me? Am I the problem? Definitely. You know, and and that's, that's how it can make objective. you. And then yeah. I don't want. I don't want my current partner involved in it either. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want him yeah. involved. Like, yeah. I'm sure he doesn't want to be involved no. either. You know, he no. understands what has happened, but yeah. I don't think he should be involved. This is what has happened to me and yeah. I don't want Jake to be a part of that and I don't want them yeah. like in contact, even in contact for him to even contact him. I just thought it was so... It's just so controlling, even though he had had a partner as well. At the same time, he had you, moved on. Yeah. He had a girlfriend and he was still trying to contact me and control oh, me. Okay. And what was interesting, you also said, even though you were out of the relationship yeah. and everybody knew now what had happened, yeah. people were still not 100% supportive of you. Not at all. Not one oh. bit. No, not at all. I was called a liar and then people continued to be friends with him. And at the time... I thought, right, okay, I can't control people and who they're friends with. Mm-hmm. I just said, look, you can be friends with him and friends with me. That's fine. But just don't 
speak to me about him and him about me, vice versa. Yeah. And uh, they're like, yeah, yeah, that's no problem. But it's only looking back now, I think that just says a lot more about what type of person they are. And if they want to still be friends with him after what's happened, that says a lot. Yeah. And it's only now that I have them boundaries up that I can stand up for myself. And I will kind of like distance myself away from them kind of people. And it's now that they are trying to come back and apologise and say, look, we were young, we didn't understand. And I kind of go, well, so was I. Like, yeah. I was young yeah. when that happened to me as well. And yeah. all I needed was that small piece of support. Yeah. Uh, even just to ask, was I okay? Or was there anything, like, if I needed to chat? Yeah. But no, there was none of that. I was getting phone calls calling me a liar and everything. Text messages oh, saying no. that there was eyes watching me. Like, all sorts. It was just disgusting. After so, being so brave to yeah. leave the relationship, report yeah. it. Mary, that must be really difficult as well because it can put people off reporting it if they're hearing something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose that's why, you know, with the work that we do in Women's Aid, we want, you know, young women especially to realise that you don't have to do this alone. You know, it can be a really scary process and you can feel really alone and like you have um, lost all your kind of connections to family and friends. Um, But we have a lot of services in Women's Aid, like, you know, uh, one-to-one spaces where you can talk through what you're going through, we have a court accompaniment service, things like that, that can help you through uh, the legal process. Um, but, you know, I suppose it's it's better to try and uh, seek support rather than to stay in it, because the longer you're in an abusive relationship, like Sarah, you said at the start, you know, the worst thing that happens is that your partner will kill you. And I think often um, the behaviours, the really unhealthy behaviours that happen in young relationships are kind of brushed off or normalised. Mm-hmm. Um, like Jodie was talking about, you know, after um, she'd spoken to the guards, like he was still, you know, messaging her online and, um, you know, felt like she was being stalked. Like that's one thing we hear all the time is online abuse, you know, yeah. and really it's a way for um, the abuser to continue their control and the power. And it just makes you feel like there is no switch off or there's no um, safe space from that person. Yeah. So, you know, whether that's them constantly sending you messages online and uh, using different apps you know people will use things like revolut they might send you a scent you know and put an abusive message in in revolut wow. or tracking your location on things like snapchat you know oh using God. spyware spyware is incredibly common to use now or um you know the threatening to share intimate images yeah, yeah. So that's a big one we hear about very often is you know if you've taken um you know, say explicit or intimate images, nudes, whatever, consensually during the relationship. Um, And if your partner or even your ex, you know, shares those images or even threatens to share those, that's now a crime in Ireland um, under the Harmful Communications Act. But it's so difficult for a person Mm. to actually go and report that because they feel shame and they feel, well, I shouldn't have done it in the first place. It's my own fault and that Mm. kind of thing. And I know... from, you know, my experiences with friends and stuff, they, they would find it very difficult. And like you said earlier, Jodie, you didn't want your parents to no. know saying yeah. things. So it's all of them kind of kind of nuances of the whole thing that the abuser can use yeah. to keep you in a box, I, I yeah. suppose. And um, when when you talk then, Jodie, when you went to the police and when it's a long process, mm. like, can can you tell us, like, what were the worst kind of things that happened after you'd reported it for you, was yeah. it the stalking or, or, or is there an instant maybe? Yeah, like it, it definitely was that. Like, like Mary said, like trying to contact me, he even went as far as tried to contact me through Spotify, mm. which 
how you even think of doing that? Like he made a playlist saying, um, I'm watching you or I see you. And I like, I have all this screenshot and all of the music underneath it was like, who shot you? Um, like all like these murder on my mind, like oh, all wow. these crazy so things. And like the guards don't take that seriously. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're just, you're overthinking. I'm like, no, no, no. Is that, is that your experience? Yeah. And then he made another, po- another podcast. He made another um, playlist with the date that we met. So I was like, this isn't a coincidence. And did the guards wow. take that seriously? No, not at all. Not at all. I think they just thought I was just a bit mad. That's all. <laughs> and can you tell us then about going to trial? Oh, yeah. Or going to the, it was Trim Circuit Criminal Court, it was, wasn't it? yeah, yeah. And did he plead or was he convicted? He pleaded guilty, so yeah. He pleaded to assault and coercive control. Yeah, and then criminal damage. Well, yeah. What was the criminal damage? Was that for your room or did he do yeah. something afterwards? Oh, like multiple things. Like he had okay. broken clothes, he'd rip clothes yeah. off me and like phones, he smashed my phone against the wall mm. and like And he strangers, got charged for all makeup. them kind of things, yeah. Yeah, it was taken in, into consideration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the sentence he received? Yeah, suspended sentence. Yeah, I just... Fully, fully suspended? Yeah. Yeah. I just think that's not good enough. <laughs> I just think it's it's like a slap in the hand. And it's a massive kick in the teeth for me as well. To go through that process and to have to go back and forth into court and see him every time and get up and speak for the judge to then turn around and say a suspended sentence was just... Is, is there any order that he needs to stay away from you? Is yeah. there anything attached to that? Yeah. So for two years... um. I have a I have a protection order for three years and then the judge put in place I can't do I don't even know how to explain so, it but so it's four years in total suspended sentence. He can't sentence. contact you for four years. For two. For two years. Yeah. But he has a suspended sentence. And the judge made sure to say it was through people as well. Right. Oh, oh yeah. that's good. Okay, that's yeah. part yeah. of the order. It's still, not good. It's still not good enough It's not good enough. Eyes. No, yeah. I reported yeah. that to the guards. I had yeah. videos. I don't know what else I could have had mm. for them to take it more serious mm. and they still tell me he hadn't broke my protection order because he hadn't directly called me. Okay, so it's it's obviously very positive they've brought in this course of control legislation, but the sentencing system probably needs to get a bit. But mine was only taken from twenty nineteen, so yeah. anything that happened in twenty eighteen and twenty twenty seventeen wasn't yeah. So it was only the instance that happened in twenty nineteen that were taken. Do you know? Um, which is also another massive kick in the teeth because all them other times that happened, why aren't they taken into consideration? And how did you feel, Jodie, when your experiences because of a cut-off date yeah. were diminished as not important? How did that make you feel? Let down. Massively let down, especially because there's a statute of limitations on certain things as well. Um, I just think I just think it's ridiculous. Mm. You know, it, he hit me at the end of the day. He hit yeah. me. You know, it doesn't matter how hard. It doesn't matter. Yeah. He did it and it was mm. tactical and he did it every other weekend. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it happened six months ago or happened a year ago. Agreed. It still happened, you know, and it was over a period of time as well. It yeah. wasn't once. Yeah, yeah. So and Mary, what needs to happen is that this needs to, this needs to be some form of education in secondary schools about relationships, what's appropriate and more importantly, what's not appropriate or acceptable in relationships. Is, is there anything in, in schools at the moment? Are you trying to, to move this forward? Yeah, so we are trying to, um, you know, push for this to be taught in schools. The SPHE and RSE uh, curriculum are being revised at the moment, which is great. Um, And also there is a push for that in the uh, domestic violence strategy, the national strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, young people, they're not being taught about this. They're not being taught what abuse looks like, the red flags, you know, even the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships. And even an understanding of abuse itself and what it looks like, you know, like for Jodie, um, you know, 
yes, you were hit and physically abused, but even if none of that happened, you know, the emotional turmoil that he yeah. put you through in and itself is absolutely unacceptable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's actually the most common form of abuse for young for young people. And I think there's an assumption that there has to be an, a bruise there or a mark you know, for it to be abuse. But there is no threshold of what abuse looks like, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, it's really about that that fear um, of, you know, your partner watching you, watching everything you're doing, trying to control what you're doing, who you're talking to. It's that emotional impact that can live with you for so long. And in particular, you know, we need to be um, looking at the messages that young boys are getting yeah. because, the stats speak for themselves. It's majority young women who are being subjected to abuse by young men. We need to look at the messages that young men are being taught, you know, from their families, from their peers, friends, the media, what they're learning about what it means to be a man. Because at the moment, what they're learning is that, you know, men are entitled to power and control in their lives. You know, to be a man is to be strong to uh, take control of your life. And, you know, unfortunately, that feeds into your intimate relationships. So and maybe we're also looking at young men who are grown up in a domestic violence situation themselves. Yeah. So surrounded by toxic masculinity there. And there's this kind of the complexity around loving their father or the male figure, whoever's there, but also witnessing them injuring their parent or, or maybe another female in the family. And there's that huge kind of disconnect between they know it feels wrong, but then it's kind of like a role modeling for them as well, that that's how a man might might be in control of the family home or he might have his own chair and nobody can sit in it and that kind of thing. So then you've got that cycle of abuse that can happen. So a young person can grow up in domestic violence and witness and then just move into the same kind mm. of relationship themselves because it's their norm and it's it's breaking that cycle that's important as well isn't it yeah absolutely but you know there's people who haven't grown up in domestic violence absolutely. situations yeah. who also abuse yeah. um and you know i often think that um a lot of these abusive behaviors are kind of dismissed as well you know he has a past yeah. of domestic violence or he has addiction issues or yeah. mental health issues but in, there's a lot of people who have those issues who don't abuse that's right you know, and that's important to say. As absolutely. Well, yeah. 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 You know, there is no excuse for abuse. No. Um, whether it's unconscious or um, conscious, somebody chooses to be abusive to another person. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, the way the system is set up and the way that our courts are, you know, the message that they're learning is that you can do this and you will get away with it. Yeah, you'll get a suspended sentence because that's what it feels like to you, Jody, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. massively. It feels even, like he got away with it. Yeah, even in court, like for me to get up and say my victim impact statement, he was sat directly in front of me. Like was, there was, that, was that intimidating, Jody? Massively. And then when yeah. I went to come down, he stood up. So the so. guards had to walk up and then block him. I don't know whether it was like out of respect or he was trying to, I don't know what he was trying to do. Yeah. It's hard enough as it is. You're in that room. You feel like you're the loudest voice in there and everybody's looking at you. Yeah. But you are know. you still happy and, and I suppose relieved that you went through that process? That Definitely. You, you, that you report, you, obviously that you left, yeah. but that you reported it and you, you basically brought him to court. Without you know? a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. And I hope that he's learned his lesson and I hope he'd never do it to another woman. And I'm glad that I did bring it forward yeah. and I didn't shy away because yeah. I was silenced for long enough. That now I'm like, I, I, will, I will not be silenced now. 
and you're now an ambassador yeah. for Women's Aid, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So congratulations. Yeah. Like that is just And well phenomenal. done Women's Aid happening yeah. well amazing done Women's Aid. Well, we're so happy to have her on board. Yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah. she's incredible. She's an incredibly powerful and strong and resilient person. <laughs> and tell me, what would your message be today now yeah. to any young woman in your situation? Who, yeah. Who has been in your situation or who is in the situation that you were in? Excuse yeah. me. That. Know your worth. Like you do not deserve that from anybody. Do you know? And do not accept that because it's not good enough. It's not, you don't deserve that. And stand up. I know it might feel like you have nobody around you because that's how I felt. But when you come forward, you'll have the best support you ever will have. And I know it's tough going to the guards and it's tough going into court. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it in the end because it was a massive weight lifted off my shoulders. And even though he got a suspended sentence, I know myself that I made myself proud and my parents proud and my friends because they see what he is and they see how strong that I am and how strong I can be. I just don't think it's good enough, the whole system, because I don't think I was heard. I got one chance to speak and that was it. And I was told, you don't have to speak. Let someone else speak. I don't think you're strong enough to speak. And I thought to myself, no, this George has to hear me speak because if she doesn't hear me speak, she won't hear the pain um, that it's caused me and she won't understand. And he's had so many opportunities to get up there and to speak and to sit in the court and hear his barrister praise him. He's a great man. He has this. He has a great job. This and the other. That's not good enough. I don't care how good of a person you are now. You, you still put me through hell and that will stay with me forever, you know? It's not good enough for him to traumatise me that that much and just walk away. It's not good enough. It, it isn't. And like that, it will stay with me forever. And I've said it over and over yeah. again that the cuts and bruises, they go, but the emotional, oh, like, it's still with me. The anxiety, everything, the PTSD, like, I, I go into my car, I lock it. I go in the house, I lock it. I'm always looking over my shoulder. I don't want to bump into him or anyone associated with him because it does take me back. And I just think, oh, uh, I just think the system is backwards. Mm-hmm. Do you know, the whole lot is just backwards and the victim needs to be heard more. It does. Mm-hmm. And it just, for him to walk away and slap in the hand, what does that say to all the other men that are doing it to women? Yeah. Oh, sure, I'm just going to get away with it. I'm just going to get a suspended sentence, so it's fine. And the women are probably going in their heads, why would I bother reporting it? Nothing's going to happen here. You know, it's not good enough and something needs to change. But Jodie, first of all, thank you for that. I mean, that's, you know, that is, that is so powerful. No, that, that is so powerful, what so you've powerful. just done there. And and I think the, to open that conversation of the system is not good enough, I think, yeah. is the start of something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important. And with the support of Women's Aid, yeah. I think that's crucial. And that's why your voice is so important that you need to be heard. Yeah. Um, you you feel like you weren't heard in no. court, but you will be heard. Yeah. You and will your be heard. work now with Women's yeah. Aid, yeah. like you are actually going to improve people's yeah. quality of life. So. Yeah. If not, save lives. Yeah. Because yeah. I like, hope that's like, incredible. Nobody yeah. deserves that. And I wouldn't put my worst enemy through it. Yeah, but you didn't deserve it either. Oh, yeah. I know. But at the time, I didn't realise that. Yeah. And I thought I did. Yeah. Do you know, like it was my fault. I deserved it. I pushed him that far to do it. And it was on me. But what's powerful about you now is you're now owning your power. Yeah. And you're now stepping into your power by, by by partnering up with Women's Aid. And yeah. if you it, it, just on that in Women's Aid, you've got this two into you 
um, campaign. Maybe just to finish up, we might talk about that because this is a campaign that you're involved in and this is about yeah. your power. And I'd like to really end on that, yeah. if that's OK, because, because, no you know, Sarah and I are just so grateful to you both for coming in today. And I think it's important that, you know, what you're doing matters and you matter. Yeah. And this is going to benefit so many people. Absolutely. Jodie, thank yeah. you. So I'll just get Mary just to talk a little bit about two into you, if you don't mind, Mary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So. Uh, Jodie is one of our two into you ambassadors. So the campaign is focused on uh, young women aged 18 to 25. Um, and the whole idea um, behind the campaign is, you know, when uh, someone's into you, it can feel exciting. But yeah. if they're too into you, then that would be a red flag for um, abuse. So through the campaign, we're trying to teach young people the difference between healthy and unhealthy relationships um, to, you know, help them uh, recognize the red flags of abuse not just in their own relationships, but in friends' relationships as well. And we also have dedicated supports now for young women um, that we set up through the campaign. So we have a specific website for young people. It's twointoyou.ie. And on there, we have an instant messaging service. Um, so it's a chat service. Uh, so if you want to chat to someone online, um, it's operated by the Women's Age Helpline team. So they're completely fully trained. You know, they have... Uh, supported so many people who've gone through this so they really understand that it can be hard to reach out for support um so that service is completely free it's confidential and it's not just there for people worried about their own relationship if you have a friend or someone you know that um you're worried about you can use that service as well so really we're what we're trying to do with the campaign is just tell young people that you know if something feels wrong it probably is I think there's this idea that, you know, there has you have to hit this certain level mm. of abuse or, you know, uh, mistreatment. But if it if something feels wrong, it's worth reaching out because mm. you really do need to listen to your gut, because the longer the relationship goes on, the, the quieter and quieter the voice of your gut gets. Yeah. So it's about trusting yourself. It's mm. about realizing that you deserve to have a happy and healthy relationship yeah. um, and what's happening to you, you know, is not okay, but that you don't have to go through this on your own, that we will support you yeah. through that. And also just to say, um, we have the Women's Aid uh, National Free Phone Helpline as well. Um, so that's 24 hours a day. It's available in over 170 languages. So if English isn't your first language, um, we have interpreters there as well. Um, and that's on 1800 341 Brilliant. Thank you. Girls, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you. Real pleasure. It really was an honour and yeah. I really, you know, wish you well in your work with Women's Aid. Thank now. you. And you really <laughs> are going to change lives. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, and definitely. it will be worth it, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed in this episode, you can contact Women's Aid on 1-800-341-900. You can contact us on social media at Real Lives Untold. Our email address is reallivesuntold at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe to hear this season's episodes every Wednesday. You can listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.